TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Marco bonus edition. Yep, it's Saturday morning. I am driving down the road. Right, actually, not even on the interstate right now. I've got a shit crazy day ahead of me. I got two soccer games for my son, who is a badass goalie, playing soccer. Amazing goalkeeper. My daughter's gonna be with us. We're gonna have a lot of fun. I'm headed to the store right now to pick up some ice, some Gatorade, some snacks because it's gonna be hot. It's gonna be a hot one today. His first game is gonna be 93. Second game is gonna be 96. Then we're off to the beautiful studio movie grill in Scottsdale, Arizona to see Endgame. So I'm super excited about that as well. Man, it's a beautiful day. And I'm just like, dude, I'm going to record. I don't even know what I'm going to record, but I'm going to record. I'm Greg DeMarco. This is Driving with DeMarco. I'm at Chairshot Greg on the Twitter. This show is available for you on our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the chair shot. You can pick up a t-shirt. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. I'll be sporting one all throughout the weekend, actually two all throughout the weekend as well. Super excited about that. And of course, the website is thechairshot.com. Always use your head. We've got uh, social media accounts as well, thechairshot.com. Of course, if things sound a little off kilter at times, I am driving, I am in the car. The phone is not right up against my mouth like it used to be because Arizona passed hands free regulation gotta respect that you gotta respect safety and and everything that it takes to to make it happen while driving around in the phoenix arizona i'm on my way to target like i said to pick up some supplies for the day but i wanted to give you this bonus topic now i'm compiling three snippets from the from the first 15 editions of driving with demarco and we'll release those for free to the public as we try to grow the patreon i want people to see what they're missing i'm also going to put together some stuff from the hashtag miranda show and pot is war as well so that people can see the things they've been missing by not being a part of the patreon we're in a spot now where we can actually kind of put that together but the bonus edition today uh, there's so much negativity running around i've actually been previewing shows podcasts i want to join the network and and wrestling fans are just highly emotional and highly invested and that's what i want to talk about today on the bonus edition show number 16 the 16th edition the 11th topic of the week i don't even know what to call it there Um, but i want to talk about why i am a fan because i love professional wrestling and i started watching wrestling when I was like six years old. Um, trying to think in terms of WrestleManias, where we're at. So yeah, probably about six years old. I started watching about a year before the first WrestleMania. Hulk Hogan became world champion. I used to watch sitting on my dad's lap in his house in Rosedale, New York. My dad and I did not have the greatest relationship at the end, 
but we had an okay relationship at the beginning. Just a little backstory. I don't mind telling the story. I've told it before. We did a special Greg DeMarco show with Christopher Platt and Andrew Malaz. My parents got divorced when I was one year old. And so I never really lived in a household with both parents. I have a sister who's eight years older than me. And we've only ever lived under the same roof for about two years. And never really more than like six months or nine months at a time. So it was a very strange, different childhood. But I say that, but I mean, everybody's got... A lot of people have strange and different childhoods. That's not really all that different, especially in the world of wrestling. But watching with my dad, I discovered professional wrestling and, and fell in love with it. You know, it, here it is, this barbaric fighting. And, and, you know, of course, it wasn't real. And that was spoiled for me pretty quickly in. And I watched WWF on the MSG network for a while. Then I started discovering shows like Superstars of Wrestling and Wrestling Challenge and All-American Wrestling. And there was a few, a little bit of overlap, but basically jobber match after jobber match after jobber match after jobber match or enhancement match or whatever you want to call it. They were building stars. And that's how I started getting into these characters and falling in love with wrestling. A little while later, I started by, I discovered, I think it was in 86, I discovered the National Wrestling Alliance, the NWA, on TBS. And I remember when I was just flipping through channels, or somebody else flipped through the channels, I remember thinking, what is this? This is there's more. There's more of the wrestling. And I started watching it. And it was a completely different product. And I fell in love with that too. And then I, you know, as we were shopping one day, grocery shopping, and there was a wrestling magazine. And it wasn't even Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I know that's the one that so many people talk about and point to from their childhood. For me, it was a wrestling magazine called Wrestling Superstars. And this wrestling magazine actually would would fantasy book. They would fantasy book a card around a match. And and I got into it. And, and, you know, and their first ever fantasy booking was like a multi... The first ever that I read, not the first ever, was a multi-promotional battle royal and they had wrestlers from all over in this battle royal and they had some undercard matches that you know you get into as well and kind of the precursor to fantasy drafting and fantasy booking of today that people do in professional wrestling and I fell in love with it and starting to read it and then you know you, you kind of as a kid you suddenly become hip to phrases like face baby face and heel and, and you know you learn early on that Vince McMahon owns the WWF, and he's not just a commentator, and all these mind-blowing things as a kid that really just kind of blew me away, and I loved Hulk Hogan when I was a kid, but then Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff turned against Hulk Hogan, I'll never forget it, you know, it was on one of those Saturday morning, Sunday morning shows, Orndorff turns on Hogan, and I was like, holy shit, Paul Orndorff just turned on Hulk Hogan, but for some reason, I was siding with Mr. Wonderful. I was siding with Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. And, and, and I remember the second ever wrestling show I went to was a house show. Back then, they were only house shows because it was all about the loop. And the second one I ever went to featured the first showdown at the Nassau Coliseum between Hulk Hogan and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. And I remember it was odd because that match, it was an eight-match show. That match went on fourth. And I thought it was really strange when Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff made his way to the ring. Like, I didn't understand why that was happening. And then I ran down to where he works. We were close to the entrance and, and was able to touch the hand of Hulk Hogan. I still remember. I told my mom I was never going to wash that hand. Of course, I washed it that night because I didn't want to be a dirty kid. But, you know, and, and, and I watched that match. And, and Hogan lost the match by disqualification. And so the, the second time around, they did a match where 
the rule was that if Hogan lost by disqualification, he would lose the title. And of course, he wins the match, but he wins it by countdown. And so now it's all about Hogan needing to get his hands on Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. And the third match was a steel cage match. So here we are over a span of four to six months booking and building to Hogan versus Orndorff inside of a steel cage at the Nassau Coliseum. Of course, they did this at the other shows throughout their loop as well. The reason why I talk about the loop and Hogan turning on Orndorff and everything else is because that's what wrestling was back then. You watch the, the TV shows were made to build the house shows, the arena loop, and that's where they made their money. It was still all about the gate. The gate is where you won and lost as a wrestling promotion. You win and lose at the gate. That's not the case anymore. They don't win and lose at the gate anymore. Everybody loves talking about a house show attendance is down. The product sucks. That's not their number one thing anymore, dude. Their number one things that they get is TV revenue, TV rights fees from Fox, and of course from from USA Network. And honestly, honestly, their biggest two revenue generators right now, you've got the WWE Network, which is probably number two. You've got the TV rights fees, which is obviously number one. And you've got the Saudi Arabia deals. They made $123 million from the Saudi Arabia deals last year. So don't tell me business is bad. They're running a business. Creative might be bad. The product might not be what you want to see, but business is not bad. And you can't point to that when you're complaining about WWE. But let me swing it back, because I'm really passionate about that topic. Let me swing it back to how I love, or how I became a wrestling fan, and why I love wrestling. But I remember, that was the first time in my life I ever cheered for a heel. And I was there at the Nassau Coliseum. Even though I touched the hand of Hulk Hogan, I still got all excited about it. I was still cheering for Mr. Wonderful Paul Hondorf. And a kid in front of us got real mad that I was rooting for Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Probably confused why I was out there because Hogan was the star and the celebrity, but I was still rooting for Orndorff because for some reason I sided with Orndorff. I don't know, maybe I got fucked over by a friend and thought that that I deserved more attention as a little you know, youngster in elementary school. I don't know, maybe that happened. Maybe that's why I was cheering for the bad guy. Um, but that's really when I fell in love with wrestling. That was my second ever live wrestling event growing up in Nassau or on Long Island at the Nassau Coliseum. My first ever wrestling event was also at the Nassau Coliseum. I think we sat in like the third or fifth row. Um, it was kind of a B or C level house show. Uh, no major championships on the show. The main event was Terry Funk versus the Junkyard Dog. I remember it like it was yesterday. And, and, and Funk pretty much lost that match by disqualification, but it was all, you know, they still sent the fans home happy. And everybody's going nuts for the Junkyard Dog. And this was just a blast. And you had Jimmy Jack Funk wrestled on the undercard. And the undercard was basically all singles matches. Like the whole show, I think it was nine singles matches. And you had the Hart Foundation and the British Bulldogs. They were on the show, but they were in separate singles matches. And I think one of them might have been like Jim Neidhart versus Davey Boy Smith. But Dynamite Kid was not against Bret Hart. They were in separate matches as well. And this is how they populated the undercard. And I don't remember if it drew well or didn't draw well. I was a kid. I didn't see those things. But on top, you had the Junkyard Dog. And he was that big draw. And I can see him being used to headline the C-Loop house shows or the B-Loop house shows at the time. You know, no Intercontinental Championship, no WWF Championship, none of that. But it was still a whole heck of a lot of fun. And I really did love and enjoy that show. I think we had a time limit draw, which they used to do that day to beef up those shows make them longer and it was just a lot of fun to see and, and now you know you listen to the early episodes of Bruce Pritchard and he talks about how the house show payoffs worked and, and how you know guys got paid and they used to do like a third a third of the money like a third went to taxes a third went to the company and a third went 
to the talent. That's how they would break up what the talent got paid for those shows. And, and it's very interesting to hear and interesting to see. And, and it's a big part of the business. And you should learn. You should listen and learn those things and have a better understanding of what you're watching and what impacted it and how we got there. Because obviously, the business is different now with multi-million dollar contracts and probably a lot less on the payoff side of things because the deals are so much bigger. But that's what it takes, especially thanks to the advent of All Elite Wrestling. But anyway, my third ever house show was actually a bunkhouse stampeder. They called it a bunkhouse battle royal back then. And, and they were doing a loop around with the bunkhouse battle royal. It was a 20-man over-the-top rope bunkhouse battle royal. And that was a come-as-you-are battle royal. And it was always touted as guys. Basically, it was dudes wrestling in jeans. And they could bring whatever they wanted. And during the promos, they'd be like touting like Billy Jack Haynes is going to be a lumberjack from Oregon and bring a chainsaw course that doesn't happen he shows up in jeans and maybe somebody had a chain maybe a chair got involved uh, but really it was just guys fighting in their street clothes but it was still a lot of fun that's where you saw something you never expected to see something that makes zero sense in life but makes perfect sense in wrestling knee pads on the outside of jeans just doesn't make any sense whatsoever but you saw it in a match like a bunkhouse battle royal there were 20 guys in the Bunkhouse Battle Royal, and they fought in 10 singles matches throughout the show. There might have been one tag match, but pretty much everybody in that Bunkhouse Battle Royal fought. I think there were, I think it was nine singles matches and one tag match. Plus, you had the Bunkhouse Battle Royal. Plus, they ran Roddy Piper in a singles match. Uh, I think it might have been against Adrian Adonis. I can't remember. Um, but that was one of the matches on the card as well. Um, I, mean, Harley, I can't remember who it was now. i got to go back and look it up. Um, but Roddy Piper had a singles match, and he wasn't in the Battle Royal. And that was the quote-unquote main event. Uh, the Battle Royal was the special feature, a special attraction. The Battle Royal actually went on last. Piper's match went on in the middle, believe it or, believe it or not. And so we had basically a 12-match card, which is huge at the time. A lot of the matches were short because these guys were coming back and working the Battle Royal. I don't even remember who won the Battle Royal. It was a babyface. Um, I got to go back and look and see who it was. I could see it as being a Hillbilly Jim or Billy Jack Haynes or someone like that. I don't remember who won the Battle Royal. Blackjack Mulligan, I think, was on that card. Uh, just a really, really interesting card. But that's how I started watching wrestling as a kid. And those are the first three shows I ever went to. Then we moved to Virginia, and my house shows were actually NWA house shows. And the first ever house show I ever went to in Virginia, believe it or not, was War Games. It was the second year of War Games. The first year, there were two War Games matches. The second year, they took War Games on tour for the Great American Bash. And I saw the Horsemen teaming up against, I believe it was the Road Warriors, Sting, Dusty Rhodes, and probably Nikita Koloff, maybe Lex Luger. Luger might have been part of the Horsemen. I don't remember. But I saw War Games, uh, and, and it was, you know... It was, it was intimidating as a child to be in there and see these two rings and this giant cage hanging from the ceiling that they would lower down with a roof on it. And then they had uh, a scaffold match on the card as well between the Midnight Express and the Fantastics. And so we had the time to take the scaffold down. I remember because the third match from the top was Dr. Death Steve Williams versus Mike Rotunda for the NWA World Television Championship. And it was the old false finish, the dusty finish, so to speak, where uh, Dr. Death won the title. But there was a DQ earlier in the match. It should have taken place, and so it was reversed. And I remember that like it was yesterday. Um, and that really just shaped who I am as a fan. And it just and, and I always think about that, and I always remember how I watched wrestling as a fan. And I think that's why I can watch it differently now than most of these Internet fans, because they were never that little kid fan, because a lot of them came up in the era of the Internet. 
The internet has spoiled wrestling and a little bit ruined wrestling. Now, I love the internet. I work on the internet. Uh, I do so much. I owe so much of my life, really, to the internet. But, or not my life, but who, who I've become, what I've made, all of that. But it's just fun sometimes to think about where you came from as a wrestling fan. And so if you hear this and you hit me up at ChairShotGreg on the Twitter, you can even email me, GregDeMarco at TheChairShot.com. I'd love to hear your story, how you became a wrestling fan. And I want to start learning more about how people became fans because my goal is to help people enjoy wrestling more. And we used to use that tagline on The Greg DeMarco Show, and maybe we need to bring that back for myself, Patrick, and Miranda because that's really what we're doing. We're helping people enjoy wrestling more, and I think part of that is remembering how it was when you were a kid. So hopefully that's a little bit of insight into who I am as a fan and who I am as a person. I'm going to do another one soon about how I watch wrestling now because I think that's really important. Everyone criticizes kind of my take sometimes, and and I think if I open your eyes a little bit to how I watch the product versus how most others watch the product, it might change a little bit, and maybe it'll help you. Maybe it won't. I don't know. Until then, at ChairShotGreg on the Twitter, at TheChairShot.com on the Twitter. Go to TheChairShot.com and always use your head. Patreon.com forward slash the chair shot. Just five bucks for all kinds of great shit. And ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. There's not much else I can say. This is a bonus edition on a Saturday. Enjoy your weekend. I'll be back with you on Monday unless I get another fire up my ass and do another one of these episodes. But I look forward to it. I look forward to this weekend. I hope you do as well. Talk to you soon, folks. Bye bye. <laughs>